Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee. Hey, uh, I want to dedicate this show. We've been going through some pretty tough times. I want to dedicate this show to every and any pet that's been out there putting their hard time in, so to speak, making us get through this whole thing. Because where would we be without our pets to get through this? It might be a fish. It might be a dog. It might be a cat. Hey, but if you're out there, know that we salute you. Well, Rick, I am in a celebrating mood because the fact is that with this show, we have reached the 12th year of being on the air with this show. And while we don't have Nielsen ratings to look at the number, I'm sure we've climbed above the 19 listeners that we started with (laughs) when we began doing this show in January of 2010. But here we are in January of 2022, and we're still doing this show because there's a whole lot of people out there that love to hear conversations about animals, nature, and pets. And who better to do it than you? Hey, and you, my friend. Um, I can remember when you first came in the store. Uh, you looked a little younger, by the way. <laughs> a little. <laughs> but, but that's the other thing. Twelve years. You know, we've grown together well, you know, as partners. In, yeah, but I've aged in dog years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think. We've made an impact. Uh, the impact is simply, you know, to remind people, you know, how important our pets are. I hope there's people that listen. And as they listen, they look down at their dog and the dog's licking their hand or, you know, kind of looking at it, up at them for a treat. And, uh, you know, you make a little stronger connection, you a little bit better understanding, you know, better understanding of, you know, the hobby of fish keeping. Why would you do it? You know, so, you know, it's just it's fun to explore those types of things. You know, I get to meet it firsthand, right? I I get the extra special treat every week because every day I'm at the store and I'm meeting individuals and I'm hearing testimonials of what that pet might mean to them. It doesn't matter where it is. You know, it's just uh, reptiles. You know, you may not understand it, but when you actually connect with a customer that's getting into a bearded dragon or has a leopard gecko for the last five or ten years – it's uh, rejoiceful, you know, There's and no uh, it doesn't matter what the department is. Pets are important, and our important task is to make sure that we're as, you know, caring, capable, and engaged pet keepers as we can be. Well, for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time or haven't heard us many times, this show is typically about what's going on in a variety of different situations or just basically not just how does it affect people's lives, but overall the industry itself and what's going on. And today's show is going to be an example of exactly that because in segment two, uh, we've chosen uh, our favorite 
remembrances of 2021 and the choice that you made for segment two had to do with PJAC, which is an organization that really helps it, it, it directs the industry, if I'm if I'm yeah. correct in yeah, it's, assessing it's, it. it. You know, responsible pet ownership and the ability to service that uh, needs some representation and even defense. And this particular show coming up, um, it's interesting because it's going to take us over to Hawaii, where um, collection and and um, develop and the trade of. Uh, fish that come from that geographical area and the divers and collectors from that space, um, there's a there's a tough situation that everybody's wrangling with right now, and we want to talk about that. Well, it is an interesting situation, and it did have a lot of interest. The other segment we're going to play from 2021 that I've chosen, it was by far on social media our most popular show. It was with Dean Milligan-Peters, Janice's son, who was in the studio with us with his bunny, Coco Bean. And if there's anything that says you should have a pet, it's an eight-year-old with his bunny rabbit because he did an amazing job with us. And it was a great show. So after playing those, we'll come back in and you and I can talk about some other shows we hope to do in 2022 this week on the Mid-Michigan. Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show here on 1320 WILS. Two legs, good. Four legs, better. Any more or less than that, it's a party. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. I am the little red rooster. Two legs and a crow for day. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line a first-time guest. His name is Bob Likens, and he is the Vice President of Government Affairs with PJAC. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks, Lee. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's great to be on. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Even though we've had PJAC on multiple times before, can you explain to our listeners exactly what PJAC is and kind of what you guys represent? Sure. We are uh, a trade association that focuses on government affairs work for the entire broad uh, responsible pet trade. So while there are other associations that uh, that specialize in things within the trade, such as uh, food or products, um, we really cover the entire gamut. We uh, we rep, uh, our members uh, are involved in anything from uh, breeding to transport to collection of uh, of companion animals, as well as the uh, the production, moving, and sale of the products uh, to support them. Yeah, and I want to make comment that, you know, from my personal observation, why I feel like being a, a member is really important is it's not just defending the idea that, you know, we should be doing our things, but really you guys have always been the stewards of kind of suggesting the right path forward, you know, so that, as you had mentioned, you're representing, you know, responsible pet care. Can you comment a bit a bit on that? Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's it's really just taking a responsible long-term approach to making sure people have access to companion animals. Uh, there, are, there are plenty of ways to do things in any business that uh, uh, can turn a quick buck but are short-sighted. 
and as uh, stewards of the trade, so to speak, we uh, we have to stand for practices and um, business models that are supportable in the long term and have the best interests of the companion animal in mind when uh, when advocating for or fighting against uh, legislation that's going to have long-term impacts on the overall trade. Well, one, one thing comes to mind, uh, just as you mentioned that, um, right now uh, it's now literally impossible for us to acquire any uh, marine fishes that come from the great state of Hawaii. And I thought I would get you on the radio and talk a little bit about that. There's recent legislation that has passed that uh, I think at least needs discussed and at least some understanding as to why why we're in this position, how did we get here, and um, what is it all about, and what is the long what, what, what happens in the long haul? Yeah, tell us, Bob. You didn't just choose to pick on Hawaii because it's February or January in Michigan, did you? <laughs> And because of COVID, I can't get on an airplane and go there and uh, and deal with issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was pretty excited when Hawaii became part of my portfolio, but it does have its challenges. Um, if uh, if you're willing to bear with me on a little history lesson on where we are with uh, with Hawaii, I'd be happy to dive in. Yeah, please do, please do. Great. So. Um, as, as you mentioned, there is always legislation in Hawaii uh, that is designed to shut down the aquarium trade. Um, the aquarium take, even in its highest years, had 20 or 30 fishers involved and uh, was, you know, not even, not even rounding error, not even uh, um, uh, worth mentioning as far as the total take on fish in Hawaii when you consider what uh, food fish take and so forth. So it's it has never been an impactful thing, uh, and we've always successfully worked against legislation to shut down the trade. But several years ago, there was a court case brought by a couple of activist groups against the state saying that the state was improperly issuing aquarium fishing permits. And that they, uh, the state had to take uh, the Hawaii Environmental Policy Act, uh, the HEPA Act from 1970, into account before it issued those licenses. Uh, the uh, activist groups lost every case in that uh, suit up until the state Supreme Court, where they won. Uh, at that time, the uh, the state. Uh, rescinded all of the aquarium fishing permits. The thing is, what that permit was, was was not an, a permit to fish for aquarium fish. It was a permit to use a fine mesh net when doing so. So even after that ruling, the, uh, the aquarium fishers could still collect. They just couldn't use fine mesh nets. Now, um, subsequent to that, uh, fish, fishers continued fishing uh, using other methods and collecting in Hawaii, um, with the exception of one area in Hawaii where there was a secondary permit required. And when the uh, when the aquarium permits were invalidated, it made it impossible to fish within that one area in West Hawaii. Now, more recently, uh, Earth Justice went back to court and. Asked this and sued the state, saying that the ruling on the aquarium permits should also apply to the commercial marine licenses 
for aquarium fishing purposes. Now, uh, commercial marine licenses are a license that any fisher in Hawaii has to have, whether it be food fish or aquarium fish, and the law doesn't really designate between them, so there's a real gray area as to how broad this ruling would be. In this case, the state decided, or I'm sorry, the court decided for Earth Justice and said that all commercial marine licenses for aquarium fishing were also subject to HEPA. Now, the state, uh, Earth Justice, I'm sorry, the state invalidated uh, or, or committed not to issue or renew any commercial licenses at that time. Earth Justice went back to court and said this should also apply to people who are currently have one. Uh, the state just uh, a few days ago ruled that Earth Justice was right and all commercial marine licenses for aquarium take were now invalid. So that's that's a very long rundown on um, on where the court case has gone. Um, in order to address that, PJAC has been working with two groups of fishers, one in Oahu and one in West Hawaii, in order to, de- to develop environmental impact statements that would satisfy the state requirement under HEPA and get those licenses reissued. Uh, we are in the final process of finishing up uh, on those, and we expect to have them uh, um, ready for the state within the next month or two. So I know that was long winded. <laughs> I mean, that's good. That's good. One, um, it gives us an idea why we're at where we're at. Uh, but two, uh, it gives us something to talk about: is what's the what's the probability that uh, we'll be able to see uh, fishermen, you know, resupplying the aquarium trade again? Um, how is it that these environmental impact statements? How difficult are they? And um, what is the information saying that you're collecting in regards to the in- environmental impact? Because obviously, whether we're a listener here or anyone that's going to be listening in the court system, they're going to be concerned about, you know, is there an environmental impact and uh, should there be any concern for uh, or risk associated with it? Sure. No, I appreciate it. It's, um, it is a very detailed process. Uh, we have been at this for over two years now uh, through, uh, through several stages and literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a matter of gathering all of the available science on the fisheries. And uh, because Oahu and West Hawaii have very different fisheries, uh, we actually opted to do two separate documents to address the specifics of each island, um, which obviously did not help us with cost, but we thought made it more uh, our approach more comprehensive. Um, we have looked at all of the science we could find. Then at that point, we opened the um, the EISs up to public comment in the hope that anyone out there, whether they be for the fishery or against, was aware of any other science uh, or studies that had been done that we weren't aware of so we could take them into account. Um, what we have created are really comprehensive documents that are thousands of pages that assess the, um, you know, the breeding cycles of the fish, the state of the, uh, their environment, the, um, 
the the number of fishers involved, uh, even the cultural impacts. So this has been a very long drawn out process. Um, we already submitted for uh, for Big Island for West Hawaii a final EIS to the state land board. Uh, that document was ultimately rejected, although the science was sound and the uh, the um, state's own staff had said it was satisfactory. Uh, that document was ultimately rejected and is in the process of being uh, rewritten and uh, and redeveloped in order to better address some specific concerns that the state expressed. So. It, it, it has been a long, painful, and expensive process, and uh, we we hope to have this resolved within the next uh, couple of months because it's it's a huge undertaking. But right now, with this most recent ruling, all of the fishers are are essentially out of work. So we we need to get this done as quickly and effectively as we can. Now, Bob, from a motivation standpoint, I'm trying to understand what Hawaii's motivation might be to prevent it. And the things that immediately come to my mind are, number one, they're concerned about not damaging anything because obviously the waterways of Hawaii are pretty big draws and and you don't want there to be any environmental damage. The other thought is merely a supply and demand. If you can't see these fish in your fish tank and the only place you can see them is by flying to Hawaii and being there, then that's how you can see the fish and they make money off of that. Is that what's driving this or is there something that my little pea brain just can't understand well honestly a lot of the groups that are that are pushing for these bans just don't think people should interact with nature uh and any opportunity that they have to advance that agenda they're going to take but with regard to the uh the actual impacts of the fishers you know although these court cases are new uh, the fishery itself and the fishers within the fishery have worked with the state for years. They uh, they have made sure that they deconflict with the tourist groups. The uh, the fishers do not collect in areas that the tourist uh, the tourist groups and the uh, dive boats and so forth use, just as a simple matter of wanting a good long term relationship. Uh, so. There is not an issue with regard to uh, fishers hurting other trades. Um, with regards to fish populations, the numbers they take are minuscule. Um, as you know, the, the most common fish to come out of Hawaii is, uh, is the yellow tang. The yellow tang, you know, there are, even at their heyday, I think there were only two or 300,000 a year collected. Uh, a single yellow tang will lay over a million eggs a year. This is a this is a fish that reproduces very quickly and has a very stable uh, population. So it it has not been an issue of the fish population or conflict with other businesses. Um, although seeing a yellow tang may only be available to those people who uh, who are willing to get on a plane to go see one, you you would think that seeing a yellow tang in your dentist's office would 
inspire the curiosity to maybe buy that ticket. So if if anything, I would say that having Hawaiian fish uh, available in the U.S. market and the international market is actually something that promotes business in Hawaii. Because as as I'm sure um, you guys know, Hawaii is going to be very sensitive to anything that has an impact on its uh, on its tourist trade. Right. Uh, it's something we share in common here. We're speaking this morning with Bob Likens, who is the Vice President of Government Affairs with PJAC. And Bob, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back from the break, we'd like to continue the conversation about Hawaii. And we'd also like to deal with some other issues that you've got going on with PJAC. And we'll do that right here on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320. W-I-L-S. Like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com forward slash MM Pets. Upload your pet's picture or check out the silly pet photos that we put up there to get you through your day. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 W-I-L-S. Here are your hosts, Rick Pruce, a man possessing unparalleled animal care expertise, and Lee Cohen, who's also here. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we have with us, sitting in the Rick Proust chair for this segment, one of our favorite fill-in hosts, Janice Milligan-Peters, and we have as a first-time guest in the studio with us her son, Dean Peters. Welcome to the show, Dean. Say hello. Hi. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And Dean, you have in your lap with you one of your newest pets. What is his name? Cocoa Bean. Okay. And can you tell the people who listen to the show what Cocoa Bean is? A bunny. Okay. And how long have you had Cocoa Bean? For around a few weeks. Okay. We got him about three weeks ago. Okay. And why did you get Cocoa Bean? Did you just want a, a new pet? Um, no, we were going to get a bird, but we learned at they need a certain temperature, but so bunnies don't. Okay, and just so everyone can kind of understand what you've got going on at home, you've got some other pets, don't you? Mm -hmm. We have fish, two fish tanks, one fresh water and one salt water. Okay. And um, two dogs. Okay. And what are your dog's names? Carly and Carrots. Okay. And Carrots, if I remember, is a relatively new dog. Uh, how old is Carrots? Like a year or two old? Two years old. Okay. And how well have Carrots and Cocoa Bean been getting along? Um, after a few weeks, it gets better. Okay. So at first, they weren't quite sure of each other and kind of had to figure one another out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And how have you been getting along with the bunny? Are you and the buddy good friends? Okay. You, you need to speak. They okay. can't see you. <laughs> okay. That's okay. That's okay. He, he, he nodded yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> and what is it that you like about the bunny? Tell me about your relationship with Coco that maybe is different than the relationship you have with carrots. So Coco makes for a great bunny he makes for a great pet because you can cuddle with him and you can interact with him some. Okay. And do you ever play with, with Coco? Yes. Okay. How do you play with him? What do you do? 
You sometimes roll a ball to him. Okay. And we have stacking cups we set up, and he likes to knock those over. That's fun. <laughs> Sounds like bowling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Okay. And in terms of the lifestyle that Cocoa Bean lives, how, when does the bunny sleep, and when does the buddy up and play? I mean, what kind of hours? I'm not sure when he sleeps or when he wakes up, because I'm usually awake before... Um. I'm usually awake. He's usually awake before me. Okay. And does he make any noise? Sometimes when he's, like, eating, mm-hmm. the, you can hear, like, a little gnawing noise. The, the, and what kind of food does the bunny eat? Uh, is it carrots like Bugs Bunny? Uh-uh. He eats pellets, um, and you can give him treats, and he'll, he should eat mostly hay. Okay. Timothy Hay, right? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And in terms of the going to the bathroom, does he have, does he like go outside like the dog or? No, he actually goes in a litter box. Okay, so more like a cat. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. And in terms of his company, does he like everybody the same or does he have favorites? Yeah, he likes a lot of people the same. Okay. And when they come over, does he like to hide or is he very social? Will he like... He'll he won't hide. He'll just come up to the cage and greet them. Okay. And Janice, let's ask you the question in terms of how this has affected your life. Has Dean been taking this chore on entirely himself or is this something that you've had to kind of help out with? Well, Dean's 8 years old, so he takes on a lot of it, but of course, I and his father help out quite a bit. There's a lot of um, work that goes into having a bunny. Um, Cocoa Beans actually uh, Holland Lop, mm-hmm. which we decided to get because they're really known for being especially friendly with children. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely will they bite or scratch on purpose. Um, he's very good at being handled, as you can see. We have him here with us in the studio along with Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually sitting on Dean's lap right now. <laughs> um, but his um, habitat needs to be, we basically found that we have to keep clean it mm-hmm. um, two to three times a week. You know, he requires um, being fed multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. He gets greens in addition to his pellets and his Timothy hay. Wow. Um, he really likes cilantro and Brussels sprouts. I like cilantro, so, too, so right? I'm right there with them. So he <laughs> has a couple different exercise areas that we provided him in our, in our home, outside and inside. So, you know, the dogs are actually doing pretty good. We by no means would ever allow them to be around him unattended or even without him being in a, in a protected in a habitat um, because, you know, they are dogs and they're predators and, and he is a prey animal. Right. So we, you know, have to take that into account. We want to make sure that everyone's safe. That would be horrible if something happened. Now, do does the bunny typically operate more socially where they like other bunnies to be around or is he okay kind of on his own at so this point? i think that we're planning on him being a solo bunny okay um he will be neutered okay um next month when he's old enough um that will help with some behavior problems yeah, I get and that. you know they there's people that 
that think that they're happier with a bunny companion. There's people that say as long as you give them plenty of attention and um, socialize with them yourselves that they can have a very fulfilling life as well. And so that's what we're planning on doing. Okay, so that means, Dean, it sounds like you've got yourself a big job coming up in terms of being his buddy for the rest of his life. Is that something you're prepared to do? Yes. Okay. And what what are you going to do in order to be his buddy? What kind of things do you anticipate doing? You got to get a leash and take him out for walks and things like that? Yes, I actually will. Okay. And when it comes to uh, taking care of animals, you've had a lot of experience for a young man your age because with mom having the daycare for dogs, you're around a lot of dogs. But are you going to be okay being around the bunny just the same or would you prefer to be around dogs? I'll be okay with having them just the same. Okay. Interesting. And when it comes to your friends, when you talk with them, do you tell them about the bunny? And what do they say when they hear that you've got a bunny? Um, Sometimes I talk about it, but usually they meet Coco Bean. Okay. And when they do, what has been their response thus far? They, they like him? Yeah. They usually want to hold him. Mm-hmm. And pet him. Okay. And how high does Coco Bean jump? Because I understand that rabbits have got some very powerful back legs. Uh, does he jump very high or no? No, we haven't seen him jump that high. Okay. Yeah, he's only four months old, so, you know, he's not even He's not at full maturity yet, so we'll see what happens as, right. he, as he ages. But he is only supposed to be like three pounds full grown, wow. which is another reason why we chose this breed. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the colors of them, it's a beautiful white bunny. Uh, are there lots of other colors that are yes. out there for people? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what color he is, Dean? Do you remember? He's a broken sable. Yep, broken sable point. Okay. That's exactly right. Yeah, and he's a beautiful, he's a beautiful bunny. Okay, and when it comes to getting bunnies, where can you go and get them? Do you get them from a breeder or from a pet store? How does that work? We got ours from a breeder. So, and right now, actually, with COVID, there hasn't been a lot of you know young juveniles available. A lot of bre- a lot of breeders have slowed way down because there's no shows or anything. There hasn't been any shows going on. Right. So we were quite fortunate. My sister is very involved in the 4-H community and her where she lives, and so she was able to put us in touch with the breeder that we got cocoa bean from, Beautiful. and it just really seemed to work out for us. You know, we did not get him because. Of Easter, right? You know, um, I know that it is a big time of the year for people to get rabbits for their children. You know, I want to make sure that if people decide to do that, they understand the commitment that's involved in it. They have to be able to provide appropriate habitats. Right? They're not. Um, they may not be super expensive to purchase, but the um, health care and the neutering and all the things that go along with it can can add up. So it's a financial responsibility as well. Well, and the point is that we've already heard on the show today that just because it's Easter and buddies are a part of it does not mean that that's the purpose of when you get it. You get a right. bunny because you want a bunny right. and you want to care for a bunny. And Dean, I take it you're a thumbs up on people getting a bunny at this point. You're all you're all good with that in terms of a good idea for most kids to have a bunny? 
Yes. Okay. Well, we've heard it right from the man himself who's got the buddy in his lap. Uh, Dean Peters, thank you so much for coming in. And Janice Milligan Peters, we really appreciate having you on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show here on 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And boy, Rick, that was great to listen to. How fun is it when we've had kids on this show? I mean, there's been a few times. I remember a few years ago, me and a seven-year-old 4-H'er went at it. And she cleaned up the floor with me (laughs) when it came to things. But boy, Dean was just very, very cute with Coco Bean. And he did a great job. It was really fun. You know, as as adults, we're filled with responsibilities and tasks and uh, high demands in life. And then when you stop and listen and just relax and then hear a young child's voice talk joyously about their pet keeping, about how important it is, it stops and gives you a little perspective. Yes, you know? it does. What, what I loved about the two that we picked out is that um, certainly the bunny and Dean uh, gives us kind of that warm connected, you know, view, you know, focus in on really what it's all about, right. you know, uh, what, what animal you have, you know, on the carpet looking up at you, what animal you have that's passing forth, back and forth in the aquarium, what what it does to you when you sit and you relax and enjoy your aquarium. That's all that intimate stuff. That's like the reason for it all. And then what I like going back where, you know, out further and, and cast about as wide of a uh, a view as you can is that, you know, there's a real life uh, circumstance that we all are in politically, um, you know, bureaucratically, emotionally, scientifically, scientifically. And, and um, you know, boy, that's been nothing more obvious than the whole, you know, political uh, paradox that we've been living through in the last couple, three years. But when it comes to pet keeping, it all centers around, you know, is this something that people can recognize as something that we need to, I don't think, you know, nurture and develop and encourage, um, keep uh, walking the path of having uh, responsible ownership and having go off to the side of the path. Those who do it improperly and inappropriately as there ways that we keep widening the responsible path while pushing to the side and trying to weed out essentially the riffraff. And sometimes science can be definitely the forerunner in exactly what we want to do to move forward. We've had conversations about uh, um, uh, places that would re, uh, raise dogs, right? Right, And then there's the idea of a um, ir- irresponsible way in which we go about it. And sometimes we pigeonhole or basket things that really don't make a lot of sense. And we need to dissect that and understand, okay, from an emotional standpoint, we all have reasons to respond. Respond to an animal in a cage, respond to a fish that's being pulled out of the ocean. And then we have to come back to what are the realities of our everyday life and what is the importance of all these animals to our life and what is it that we can do that makes it as responsible of a exercise, uh, you know, physically, politically, scientifically, 
you know, so that's what's fun about doing the show. Well, I will say this, Rick, for 2022, it is my hope that we can get into more of the animals that we've explored in the past. But it's been a long time since we've explored them and some we've never explored at all. And that's the beautiful thing about this topic is that there are so many different kinds of animals that people keep as pets that we can just go into to a number of different areas, but frankly, I'd love to get back into the chickens that we've talked about, the pigs that we've talked about. We've talked about llamas and and rams and goats and things like that. And I just I, I love the fact that now when someone mentions certain animals, not only do I know a little bit about them, I can picture them. I I, I know what people are talking about. And I got to tell you, Rick, a long time ago, none of that was true without this show. I wouldn't know as much about it, and that's one of the things that our listeners gain. If they just tune in at 9 o'clock on Saturday mornings or listen to us on the podcast, if you want to do it on your time, that's fine, but I encourage you, listen to the show. You'll learn something literally every week. Yeah. Um, Like a good bloodhound. Uh, we're going <laughs> to sniff out a few great great opportunities. Uh, wouldn't mind getting into some of the canines, the uh, different breeds that uh, yeah. um, people are fascinated with, or maybe the understated, you know. But uh, that would be nice. Um, and, and the other thing is, is that, you know, we have a Facebook. And if the public would, you know, throw suggestions at us, you know, what would make a good show? What would they want to learn more about? What... What are they passionate about that they haven't heard from the show? Um, you know, that particular aspect, you know, being more dynamic this next year, that would be a particularly helpful element because we really do want to hear from those more than 17 uh, listeners that, uh, <laughs> that, that that have things to say. Yeah, no, we've got a lot more listeners than that because I will tell you, uh, I have just heard so many people say to me that they love to tune in when they're in their cars and, and they'll listen to the show and they'll give me opinions. And some of them aren't always uh, ones that I want to hear, but if it's what they honestly feel, then I want to hear it. And it's just, it's a, it's a pleasure to do that. And I've also heard people talk about the topics that we get into. And I love their suggestions because whenever we get them, I immediately begin to explore how can we get into this and talk about it. One of which this year we finally conquered. You've been bugging me for years. When will we get someone to talk about cat behaviors? And we found a cat (laughs) behaviorist. Now she was on television in Britain, so it wasn't (laughs) exactly. That's good. So she needs to be on radio in Lansing. <laughs> exactly right. But uh, it's always fun to explore these other topics, to learn about them, to talk to vets, to talk to trainers, to talk to breeders, to talk to all the people involved in this pet industry, which has become huge during the time of this show, yep. including a huge growth in the number of people who have pets. I mean, it, it's there's been significant growth yeah. in just the last two years. Well, and like, what's the right size for a particular kind of snake so that the environment itself is supporting an animal in a way 
that we all feel good about it. You know, more importantly, that the snake feels good about it or a rabbit, you know, what, what kind of environment does that need to be in? Or a guinea pig, you know? So we can always go down and explore various ideas and issues. You know, what does it take to, to, you know, you've seen, uh, shows on TV about these big tanks, uh, that people put in their homes and, what is it like to do that? You know, we've had the fortune of actually putting in large tanks in people's homes that uh, uh, that people sit in their living room watching TV and saying, what would that be like to have in my living room? And we can answer that question. So, right. you know, stuff like that that uh, uh, maybe I mean, just different topics, just whatever. We do, we do a lot on nature. Why do we do that? You know, it's mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and you're not supposed to bring those Bambies into the home and, and kind of play with them. So so why do we do that? And I think the answer is is that we're connected, uh, that um, uh, that uh, Alan Beck uh, always talks about, that, that connection we have with nature and animals and pet keeping. And pet keeping and, and, and enjoying nature um, have kind of some parallels. There's and no it's always nice They're to hand explore hand. that. Yeah. And uh, walks out in nature and listening to the noises and, you know, it's, it's, it's that dynamic that you get it's that, that can't be replaced. But at the same time, it's that same dynamic that can't be replaced that we oftentimes feel connected to when we're in our home listening or watching our pets in some way or another, whether it's a be strange behavior that our dog does, you know, whether it's trying to hide things under a pillow why is he doing that? Why is she doing that? And how does that fit into nature? Um, a fish, you know, observing why why the unusual behaviors, and oftentimes it can be you know sexual behaviors, mating behaviors, and you know why are they doing that? And well, so. I would even say to you, Rick, that one of the things that we can do is there are some people who may not be able to have a pet, but that doesn't mean they can't go outside and listen to the frogs and listen to the yeah. birds and appreciate the nature that exists right outside their door. It's just a matter of going outside. And so we're going to continue to bring topics like those and others to you here in 2022. But a huge thank you to all of you for uh, listening to the show, going to the website or the Facebook page and listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. So on behalf of our producer, Bruce Warner, my co-host in the studio, Rick Proust, this is Lee Cohen, wishing all of you a great weekend and a great weekend. We'll talk next weekend on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. And all of you, please, please take good care of your pets. (laughs) 